Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And it... We are your killer couple, critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So, maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never fill your veins with the black sludge of the bust of a (laughs) racist dickwad from the 1800s, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So, tonight... We are wrapping up our month-long theme of Women Burn Shit Down with the, if you haven't guessed, the 2019 film Black Christmas, which is the second remake of the 1974 classic. There's also the 2006 film, which I'm just going to take the opportunity to say is a fucking blast, and I'm so tired of people shitting on it. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. Why are people shitting on it? Super fun. Uh, it just came out during that era where everyone wanted to crap on remakes, but uh. go back and watch the 2006 film. No, it is not the terrifying classic that is the original, but it is super fun super and super fun. gory. Uh, anyway, so this Black Christmas was directed by Sophia Tacall. Uh, hopefully I said that okay who made her feature debut with the film Green. Uh, she also did the Into the Dark, Hulu's Into the Dark episode, New Year, New You, which I actually think is quite fantastic. I think it's one of the better episodes of that show. Yeah, it's a good one. So if you haven't seen that, I do highly recommend checking that out, especially if you are not a fan of the 2019 Black Christmas, which <laughs> I understand most of you probably weren't. So, so I do suggest you check that out, see if you like her style a little bit more there. Uh, She's also an actress who appeared in the film VHS, which just had a new entry announced, uh, VHS 99, which is coming out later this year, so can't wait for that. I really dug the last one. The film was written by Takal and April Wolf. Uh, This is Wolf's feature debut, script-wise. She's also appeared as herself in the sort of like docu-horror series Cursed Films and Behind the Monsters, uh, both of which are also fantastic. Definitely check those out if you can. And the film stars Imogen Poots as Riley, who is a British actress who debuted in the British medical drama Casualty. Uh, she went on to do films like V for Vendetta, 28 Weeks Later, The Fright Night remake, Green Room. Uh, she's currently in the Outer Range series, which I have not seen myself, but I hear is pretty good. It also has Elise Shannon as Chris, and who debuted in the Charmed TV series, oh. uh, which I also have not seen, but... <laughs> I guess people like it. (laughs) Uh, It also has Lily Donahue as Marty. Uh, This was actually her feature debut. And she's also appeared in small roles in series like Halt and Catch Fire and The Goldbergs. Uh, And then it also has Brittany O'Grady as Jessie, who first appeared in the Trophy Wife series and most recently the White Lotus series, uh, which, you know, seems to have gotten pretty good acclaim. I've not seen that either. (laughs) (laughs) behind on my tv what do you want from me um i only watch nerd tv (laughs) right exactly so uh so and for those of you who have not seen the remake of black christmas from 2019 
Uh, it's essentially about Riley and her sorority co-eds who... Riley is a uh, a rape victim who basically her and her sorority sisters, they put on this show that's basically like calling out the dude who raped her, you know, at this, at this frat house. And they soon find themselves stalked and harassed and eventually discover, well, I feel like to say more would be to, to spoil <laughs> some things, but they, but they eventually discover that they are indeed being harassed and slowly picked off one by one. So... <laughs> So to say any more would spoil it. So if you have not seen Black Christmas, uh, unfortunately, it is not currently streaming. You can rent it, though. Uh, this is one that I think both Chris and I are not huge fans of. So, yeah. so I don't know if I would say, go out and rent it right away. You're going to love it. But, you know, if it sounds interesting to you and if you've never seen it and if you want to do your homework for this uh, <laughs> and don't want it spoiled, definitely do go check it out and rent it. But that being said, we have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content. So we'll let you know when we're about to get into spoilers. So first off, as usual... Tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So the tagline for Black Christmas was Slay Girls. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe not my best reading ever. Uh, no, so, I like it. I like it. So what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of the 2019 Black Christmas overall? Look, I think that the tagline works for the movie, for what the movie oh, was trying 100%. to do. Yeah. I actually really like it. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and before we get too much into this, I do want to say that one thing I like about the Black Christmas you know, I guess, franchise in general, is I do think it's really cool that each Black Christmas is very different from the one that came before. Oh, yeah. No, th these films, if anything else, I think reflect what remakes are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, because each one, as you said, is completely different from the previous one. Like, yeah. you know, this one doesn't even have any ties to to Billy from the other two films. Nope. And, and the 2006 remake is, like, complete opposite in terms of you know, tone from the yep. original. I mean, the, the 2006 one is just crazy, it insane, bonkers, bonkers <laughs> gore fest. So. Uh, oh, but having said that, with this one, okay, I don't particularly like this Black Christmas. I think mm. that the concept that they were kind of going for is interesting. So, you know, they get pluses for the concept that they were going for and some of the things that they're trying to talk about with this film. But as far as execution, uh, you get like a D minus. I'm so sorry, but... Yeah. And I think for me with this one, like this is touted as as a feminist horror film. And mm. I think when we talk about that sometimes, I think that it's important to keep in mind that like everybody needs different things from representation. Me personally, I don't like this as my representation for feminist horror film. I mm. think they missed the boat on a whole bunch of things, but they were trying. And so I want to give them credit for really trying to talk about some of this stuff. Well, well, something I want to point out here before before we do get into spoilers that I, that I think you kind of mentioned there is that, you know, I, I've seen this film criticized as being too on the nose or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, d depending on your outlook of what on the nose means, mm -hmm. you know, you can make that criticism. I, I would also just say, though, that, you know, and I'll kind of mention this as we go through it, but I would also just say that, you know, this Black Christmas, maybe it feels too on the nose because it reflects reality, yeah. you know? And, and I think that, you know, p potentially part of the issue with it is that it, it perhaps strikes too close to home. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it basically is presenting a lot of the themes without without your kind of typical sort of like entertaining touch. You know, yeah. it's very, it, you know, it, it's not subtle about about its <laughs> themes. It's it's very much no. throwing you kind of 
into the sort of everyday reality of mm-hmm. what women go through uh, with, you know, with, of yeah. course, your f- a few horror twists to it. But <laughs> uh, but it's throwing you into that. And, you know, I think that what T'Kal and Wolf were going for here was to do something that wasn't subtle. You know, yeah. I like they like clearly it's intentional that they didn't want this to be a subtle film. They, yeah. they really wanted to, you know, kind of tackle some of these themes and say, like, hey, this shit happens. This mm-hmm. exists. You know, and this is going on in our daily lives. And so, you know, I think for th- for those that do enjoy it or or do enjoy it as a horror film, you know, I, I have to imagine part of it works because, you know, for them, this is horror. Like, yeah. this is this is horror that they can relate to and that, you know, they're very familiar with. And and I and so I think that, you know, when you say that we all kind of get different things out of, the, mm-hmm. out of this stuff, you know, it's why I say that, like, look, is Black Christmas from 2019 a, a film that I love? No, but I also wouldn't say that it's a film that doesn't necessarily work in what it's trying to do because for the audience that, you know, that it's trying to appeal to, I think more or less it's effective. Yeah, so. I definitely agree with that. For me, my issue with it, like, I don't mind the on-the-nose things because they are tackling a lot of subjects that I think are important and mm. work really well for horror and stuff that did kind of get set up with the original Black Christmas mm. just a little bit. They're modernizing it. Like we say, what we want out of remakes. My big issue with this is I think that they got a little bit lost in the weeds. Things got a little bit convoluted. Well, and if, if they could have, like, simplified shit just a little bit more, they would have had well, a strong movie. And the thing to understand here, which is why I do, you know, which is why I do kind of hate that To Call and Wolf basically took all the hate for this movie. Mm -hmm. The thing that I think should be made clear, too, is that, you know, I I personally attribute a lot of the flaws to Jason Bloom in this one. (laughs) You know, this one. You know what? Yes, I will also blame Jason Bloom. (laughs) Well, let me explain why. This was a Bloom House movie. And what. My theory, you know, there's no proof of this, obviously, but but what happened with Black Christmas is this was a very quick production schedule and turnaround. You know, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, and, you know, you're welcome to tell me how <laughs> wrong I am about this if you're listening. But as far as I remember, Black Christmas was pretty much, it pretty much began shooting and released in theaters within a period of five months. Shit. So, and my belief for why that turnaround was so quick was because Jason Bloom got into a shit ton of trouble when he made the dumbass comment <laughs> that Bloomhouse did not hire a lot of women because according to him, women don't make horror movies. <laughs> and <laughs> punch you in the fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, not not his exact words, I believe, but that was generally, you know, what he the was thought, saying. Yeah. And and he got a lot of backlash, deservedly, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like what sort of happened with this is Jason Bloom was basically like, fuck, I need a feminist <laughs> movie, and basically just had to call and wolf crank this shit out, you mm-hmm. know? So so I don't really blame them a lot for how this movie mm-hmm. turned out, because it definitely sounds like the studio was just like, uh, we need to make Jason <laughs> look better, so so let's get the most feminist possible horror movie we can out as soon as possible and just rush this shit because we don't really care about quality. We just want to prove that we're not sexist. You yeah. know? So. Well, and that's the thing is like, I think there's a lot of really good potential in this film. So I'm mm. excited to see what both of them do in the future because again, new year, new you is gr- a great film. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm really excited to see what this writer and this director do in the future when they have a little bit more time and space because, like, again, I, there's promise there. It's just the execution is a little, little muddled, for, little chaotic. For sure. And, 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 you know, and one last thing I'll say uh, before we get into the spoilers is just that, you know, there are little bits of greatness here. Like, I, mm-hmm. like I do think that, you know, T'Call throws a lot of really fun homages to other horror films in the movie. One in particular that it's a favorite of mine is their homage to Exorcist Three. Which, you know, they basically homage, I think, one of the best scares of all time. And they do it pretty effectively here, you know? Oh, yeah. There's just lots of little good things about the movie that, to me, just don't all add up to a great film. Mm -hmm. But there's, you see the talent there. There's shit there. Right, there's shit there, (laughs) according to Chris. There's shit there. Uh, But all right, so we're going to move into spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen Black Christmas, please go check it out. We're going to ruin everything for you. (laughs) Maybe in more ways than one. And (laughs) with that being said... Moving to the spoiler territory, so let's just start off with, I think, one of the major criticisms of the movie when it came out, and one of the major debates of the film <laughs> uh, before it was even released. I mean, I remember being on Twitter during this, and it was a fucking hellscape <laughs> being on social media talking about this movie, is, is the fact that this remake turned out to be PG-13 in comparison to the two previous films, which were pretty hard R's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just ha- how do you feel about that overall with this movie and how it kind of ends up playing out that way? <laughs> Look, I'm all for PG-13 horror films. And I think that, you know, this is not... Black Christmas is potentially a good candidate for this if, you know, you are doing essentially a feminist horror film because we do need to get younger people into horror. You know, because look, the the reality of, you know, our community as a horror community is we do need to make sure that there are horror films out there that younger audiences can go and see. And I think the cool idea about them doing that with this Black Christmas, considering the fact that they were doing such strong feminist messaging, is that it was one of those things that we don't get in horror a whole, whole lot, which is directly speaking to the female fan base. We don't, but I also feel personally, like, and and you, you know, you can correct me, like, you're you're a woman, hmm. you can speak better to this than I can, but I... I sort of felt like this wasn't the film to do that. And and the <laughs> yeah. re- and, and the reason I say that is it was shot to be R. Yeah. You know, it was made to be an R film. And look, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh my God, PG-13 horror. It's going to be terrible now. Mm-hmm. Like I, that, to me, that's a ridiculous statement. Some of my favorite horror movies are, are PG-13 or even PG. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm looking at you, Jaws. Like <laughs> I, I was just talking about the It miniseries the other day, you know, mm-hmm. like that's fucking fantastic. Like, you can make really good horror movies that aren't R. Yes. It's not a requirement to be an R film. Yeah. And and with this Black Christmas, you know, I think the problem initially was that it was shot to be R, and you can kind of see remnants of that. Mm-hmm. But then during the screening process, they decided to make a PG-13. Oh, that's now. <laughs> Now, the, the, the claim there was that they wanted to market it towards, you know, younger girls, mm-hmm. which, as you said, I do think is great because we do need more movies marketed, more horror movies marketed towards teen girls. Please there, give there me a ju- female monster squad. Right. There just aren't enough. Like, no. the, the men get all the good stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and they're just, like you said, there are not enough female-driven monster squads in yes. horror, you know? And, and so I think that the... I think the idea of releasing it to teen girls was was one that's coming from a really good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that the themes of this Black Christmas are potentially a little bit too strong, you know. With, with the rapey <laughs> frat culture. I, well, well, and that's the thing is, you know, you're, you're marketing to like thirteen year olds, right? Mm-hmm. 
I'm not a 13 year old girl, but I can't, <laughs> so I can't completely attest, but I, I have spoken to our nieces and like, you know, a couple other, and, and I had a couple writer friends who, you know, sort of told me their teen girls thoughts uh, that they knew on this. And the sort of consensus was that like, you know, just kind of like you were poking fun at just now. Uh, they don't want to watch a movie about rape, rape culture. culture. In, in, in college, <laughs> we don't want to know? know about the dark, the, dark future that awaits them. <laughs> right. You know, and, and so I think like if you're making, you know, a horror movie marketed to teen girls, like you want to make something like Monster Squad, make mm-hmm. it fun, you know, yep. make it make it entertaining, you know, I may, and, and still scary. But mm-hmm. but I don't think that the kind of scary uh, <laughs> that you want at that age is like rape, rape. culture <laughs> stuff, you know. So so I think that what ended up kind of happening here is that black Christmas just ended up not really having the right audience, you know, kind of, kind of being a mixed bag in that sense, because you're, you're not giving a film that's necessarily going to please hardcore fans of the franchise, you know, just right off the bat, because it's a bunch of dude bros who hate anything (laughs) feminism and, you know, you're not going to win with them and, you know, kind of fuck them anyway. But, (laughs) uh, but then you're also, you know, you're not delivering a a horror film that's kind of maybe, more for adult audiences because mm-hmm. you're kind of you're kind of watering it down a bit, and then you're not exactly delivering something that's gonna work for teen girls because yeah. it's you know, too you, intensive subject matter. Well, well, you gotta think like you know they're watching this at sleepovers or something. I don't know if they want to watch that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, that being said, though, I do think that when you sort of take the the rapey stuff out, mm-hmm. this is ultimately a fun movie. With with some really great, like, you know, fuck yeah, like, power yeah. moments. They don't punch enough people in the dick, though. Because no one gets punches. punched in the dick. There are not enough dick punches. And if it was rated R, I would have loved to have seen a dick capitation. We always love a good dick cap. <laughs> dick. It's a word I made up. Decapitation. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing for me is just, like, I think that this this change in rating is just, like, almost another nail in the coffin for this movie. I am that's not its fault because it is really tough when you write a movie and you shoot a movie and it's intended to be R-rated and then suddenly you're having to pull back on all of that because that R stuff, especially with a movie like this, which is talking about frat culture and rape culture and what a lot of women deal with specifically in college with professors and on-campus security and mm. all that fucking bullshit. To have to pull a lot of that back to get to a PG-13, you prob- we probably missed a whole bunch of important things that were supposed to be in the movie. That Potentially. Ma- yeah, that maybe would have made it feel less convoluted, less all over the place, because that's kind of my issue with this film, is mm. that like um, with both of our previous Black Christmases, they are very straightforward. It's a very simple plot. It's a very straightforward plot. You know, with the first one, it's creepy. With the second one, we're doing more of a slasher-ish thing, you know. And so it all makes sense, and it winds up being a strong movie because of that. Hmm. My issue with Black Christmas is that it doesn't feel like it got that same straightforward plot. There are so many different elements in this film. And then when you take away, like, probably some good catharsis kills by not having it rated R, you lose some of that magic you're going for with this film. Because I it, want blood. <laughs> I want frat boy blood. Well, well, part of the part of, part of the reason, is, as as far as I understand, with the with the black sludge blood later mm. on, is that you know to have the red stuff, they might not have been able to get the PG thirteen. So <laughs> then they should have given me more black splatter. Yeah, I should have no. seen black goo everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I want to see the walls covered in that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like and 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 that's been the theme of the movies we're talking about this month is that. 
you know, when we say women burn shit down, like, these women fuck shit up, you know? They better I mean, burn shit down, and they better be covered in whatever viscous liquids are seeping out of their bodies. Right, like, ta- <laughs> like taking revenge, for example, you know? Like, she is just covered in gore by the end, and you get all the satisfaction you need from it. And, and you know, I, I feel like Black Christmas could have had more of that. And But we'll get into that as we go. So, you know, one thing that I do want to mention in, in terms of just, you know, again, this sort of being gateway horror for girls despite Mm -hmm. you know some of the heavier themes is that you do get stuff that again i can't personally attest to being a fucking you know (laughs) dude with a penis like (laughs) but 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 i but there are moments that even i appreciate where you know you've got the moment where Fran, played by natalie morris you know her our introduction to her (laughs) Is she needs? I don't even know what this is. Uh, oh, uh, you don't know what a diva cup is? Uh, she needs a diva cup, which I understand is probably some kind of tampon or. <laughs> oh, it's it's a reusable one, so it's like a plastic cup that you stick up inside, and so you can wash it out, and it's reusable. Okay, so now so you that, know. <laughs> so there you go. Now I'll just power. Um, but you know, our introduction to her is like busting into Riley's room and being like, I lost my diva cup. Can I borrow, you know, something? And, and Riley hands whatever to her, a tampon, whatever. And a diva she, cup. Well, I didn't know she had a diva cup too. Okay. <laughs> Riley hands a diva cup to her and, and Fran just, you know, unzips and shoves it in right there. And is like, all right, see you later, you know? And, and the reason I love this moment is that one, I think that it's, you know, it, it there's an authentic, there's an authenticity to it, you know, yep. like, like, yes, women do that. Like women mm-hmm. are perfectly comfortable with tampons. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in sort of like, it brings you into that feminine world. And, and I love that about it. And I also love that it's kind of a middle finger to all the dude bros who get grossed out by things like <laughs> tampons or, or, you know, buying tampons for their girlfriend or something. Cause it's kind of like, Hey, fuck you, man. This is a natural part of life. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, to be fair, there might be a lot of dudes like yourself that were confused about what a diva cup is. So it might go over their heads a little bit. <laughs> well, sure. I, I think you get, I think it's clear enough. You know, yeah. I might not know how a diva cup works, but I, but I understand its use, you know? So, so, so I just like that about it. I like mm-hmm. that this gives women you know, a lot of things to identify with these young girls, something to identify with mm-hmm. that you don't typically get yeah. in, in these horror, you know, in horror films, like especially, you know, geared towards women. Like you just don't get a lot of that stuff yeah, and it's, or at least you didn't used to. So, and it's one of the things that I do really appreciate about, you know, black Christmas and some of the other, other ones is we're getting these women, these female characters who not only are, feel more natural and feel more real, but have conversations that we don't get to see female characters have a lot. Because, yeah, we have the Diva Cup conversation. We Mm. have the opener where one of the girls tells another one that she bought her a vibrator for Christmas. You have them talking about, like, how do you talk about you're going to go and take a shit? Like, there's, (laughs) like, I love... Easy, you just say I'm going to go take a shit. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, you know, they're talking about, like, do people, do girls say dump? What's with these cutesy words? Like, that's what Chris says when they're getting ready to, like, destroy the frat boys with their song Mm. and it's that is some of the niceness that we get with this is that these girls are real in a way that feels forced in a lot of other films where they're able to talk about more natural things which i really like because it's written and directed by women you know who actually know what the fuck they're talking about so (laughs) yeah but that but that is another interesting part of the movie is that you know you can kind of agree or disagree on like how these things are portrayed but something that i do like about black christmas as well as you kind of get with the characters i feel like you get kind of different sides of the 
male patriarchy, male toxicity sort of conversation amongst women, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, cause on one hand, you have, you know, Riley, who is this kind of, like, victim of it, you know, who, yep. who's been subjected to these awful things, and, and she's trying to, you know, sort of reconnect with herself and deal with it and kind of find who she is again, right? Yep. And it, then you have Chris, who's just, like... <laughs> The hardcore feminist she of will like fuck you up. She's the hardcore <laughs> feminist of like I will burn every inch of the fucking patriarchy to the goddamn ground, you know. As she should. And, and, and you gotta love that. And you know, so like she's got that. Uh, you've got Marty, who's kind of like sort of ignorant of the patriarchy a little bit. Like not not to say that she doesn't understand that it exists, but but more so like you know she has comments that are sort of, like, from the other side of the conversation, like, after the professor, who I love is played by Carrie Ulls, you know, <laughs> like, fucking Princess Bride royalty, you know, uh, and Saul royalty. Um, but, you know, I after he has that whole conversation of, like, you know, we, we've got to read the classics, you know, which, of course, are all fucking written by men that he's yep. having them read and that public education has us read. Um, you know, she has that comment of, like, well, shouldn't we read the classics, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of, like, a kind of naivety about what he's doing and kind of forcing that and what culture does in forcing that. Mm-hmm. And I love Chris's response, but just being like, they ain't my classes, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. So I have mixed feelings about the girls in this mm. um, because this is very much supposed to be a movie about, you know, sisterhood. And they kind of really like hit that home when they have that moment in the kitchen when they're cooking and they're asking Marty about her her animal rankings and she says ant for the animal that best represents what she's looking for with friends and that kind of summarizes what this entire movie is talking about when it views women and the sisterhood that comes with being women Mm. and that's the fact that men think of women as ants something to be crushed something small and insignificant and marty really hits it home of like yeah you can think that but we're a solid unit. We're together. We share each other's pain. And you cannot get rid of us no matter what. That's the heart of this movie, which is beautiful and awesome. That's a great message, yeah. Yeah, it's a great message. I'm The thing for me with it is that you have these such dynamic characters that the, the friendship element of it kind of feels forced and i think that's Mm. that's kind of one of the the low moments for me for this movie specifically the relationship between chris and riley because Mm. it's it's an interesting one and it's a heartbreaking one because like as you put it chris is a fighter and she's pushing and pushing and pushing whereas riley is still rediscovering herself and figuring out and 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 you can make the argument that that part of it doesn't totally read well you know because i (laughs) because you know personally i would say like pushing a victim like that is Mm -hmm. maybe not (laughs) the healthiest thing for them yeah uh and so you know it's kind of a bullshit move that chris does that yeah and like you understand why but she's so forceful about it right and like she like chris is very representative of the theme of the movie you know, or or if not the theme, just the kind of attitude of it, of just like, again, fuck the patriarchy, burn mm-hmm. it all down, you know? She, she's very much a representative of that. And so, you know, so you kind of understand where her character is coming from, but there is sort of, you know, I think as an audience, we kind of question that of like, 
should you really be pushing Riley this way? You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right way to treat a victim. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, it's kind of, you know, maybe a little bit bullshit in the end when when Riley says, like, you were right all along and I should have been listening to you because it's kind of like, well, should you have been? <laughs> you know, again, yeah. it's like the film is the film is very aggressively it very aggressively pushes its messaging Mm -hmm. and you know that that works in some ways it's a detriment in others Mm -hmm. you know because like you said it might not feel completely realistic that that's kind of the problem i think you run into sometimes when you're kind of doing things that sort of are aggressively thematic and and maybe not as subtle about it you know so i think that unintentionally the character of Chris really for me personifies the double-edged sword of this almost like blinder mentality when it comes to feminism Mm. because in the reality feminism is about making sure that we're all on an equal playing field right it's about making sure that you know we acknowledge toxic masculinity how it affects women and men it's about all of that and Chris is a good representation of that feminism movement that sometimes can feel like it has blinders and it doesn't accept anybody else's pain in trying to move forward with whatever it believes in, right? You know, and we do kind of see the double-headed sword because, yeah, Chris pushes to fight and fight and fight. And then the moment that Riley goes, hey, it's the fraternity. We need to go and figure this shit out mm. is the moment that Chris lets her down. It's mm. the moment that Chris doesn't want to stand with her sister, doesn't want to believe in her because she thinks that she knows better and it's about listening to everybody else but she does ultimately listen though she does and she does ultimately have her back so she does she does eventually (laughs) show up and and this and this is the thing you know this is this is the core thing about the film that i do actually really like Mm. is that going back to the ant thing you know i do think there's a really powerful kind of message in this in that the film does you know regardless of how you feel about chris and riley's relationship Mm -hmm. the film does do a great job of sort of portraying that sort of sisterhood and that connection amongst women in this you know it's because it's in the sense of like you have to have each other's back you know you live in this world where it it is not you know where it is so dominated by just like shitty dudes (laughs) (laughs) that that you have to have each other's back and it and you know and that's not always going to be perfect like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not you know women are not a monolith it's not like every fucking woman loves every woman you know Mm -hmm. but but there is i think the sense of like having each other's back and you kind of see the opposite side of that within the frat where it's like consistently through the film you have the women wanting to check on each other they want to know where they are they Mm -hmm. they have each other's backs you know they're they're trying to be there for one another and then you look at kind of like the dude side of it and the frat side of it and they have a mentality of protecting each other but it's in a sense of keeping them out of trouble you know yeah. like keeping them from being caught mm-hmm. they don't however have a sense of caring about one another you know yeah, like no, they, they don't, don't give a shit about each other like, like they don't have that sense you know mm-hmm. and and they don't have a sense of kind of standing up for each other or standing up for or even standing up against each other when they need to which the mm-hmm. women also do the women will kind of tell each other when they're right or wrong and you know, like a good example is is Landon, our our sweet boy, <laughs> our sweet boy Landon, who is played by Caleb Everhart. And you know, you have the moment where he's kind of being all sweet and shy with with Riley at the coffee shop, and then the other frat bro walks in, and he just suddenly like cowers and walks away, even though he senses you know the discomfort in Riley. Yep. And, and that just speaks to the idea of like you know, the men men not standing up for each other, men, men and men not standing up for women mm-hmm. in the presence of other men. You know, that's kind of 
what what Landon sort of signifies there, you know, is just that is just that type of dude who like maybe he's not a bad dude, you know, personally, mm-hmm. but he's also not helping the situation either by just letting this guy come in and you know do whatever the fuck he wants to Riley. So yeah, yeah, I think that it is the thing that um this movie captures really well of the difficulty sometimes with you know the sister is we all want different things, we want different representation, we want different things from the patriarchy and we have to make sure that we band together to support each other but that's difficult when we have different objectives whereas the dudes are just trying to protect their power and like mm. that's i feel like kind of what we see like this entire time with the male characters uh, i mean that's film. what the, uh, that's yeah. what the whole male side of it is about right yep. it's like protect you, the power oh my god the professor's speech like when they've kidnapped the girls and um, or they have riley and the professor in the end right yeah in yeah. the end and the professor is just going off about like we will no longer be on the sidelines watching our own life <laughs> we will have more power i'm like motherfucker you're a white straight motherfucker you're a white straight dude you have all the power what well, are you complaining about well, well i think that's kind of the <laughs> irony about it right obviously yeah. is that you know, to you know, first of all, I think that um, I think a criticism you could make if you wanted mm-hmm. is that you know the the whole supernatural element of this Ugh. really isn't necessary no. because that's just dudes in general. Like this, yep. like this whole movie is basically just like this is men anyway. We don't really need the black, no. <laughs> the black sludge or anything. <laughs> but I think that kind of the the actually uh, good part about that, or or the actual useful part of that, is that. Men also have the tendency to say, it's not my fault. You know, like men yeah. also have the tendency to say, of like, I didn't do it, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that the Black Sludge is interesting because it acts as like, it, it acts as an excuse for them, right? Yes. You know, it acts as an excuse for them to be shitty mm-hmm. when they're shitty anyway, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like, like it, well, you can say it never mattered, but that's kind of the point is that. Yeah is that it didn't matter. They just are this way. And that whole <laughs> and that whole speech that the professor gives, you know, you can sit there and be like, this is already what men do. Men yeah. al- men already, you know, train dudes basically. Like that's mm. kind of what frat houses are. It's like training for the fucking imaginary war that they have in their heads of like <laughs> we have to keep power. You know, it, it's training for them to go out and become senators and all this shit. And it's like, that's just what they do. You know, Calvin Hawthorne never really mattered. No. It's, personally for me, I'm of two minds about the the Black Sludge stuff. I want to think positively with this film. And it's a really good representation of the toxic masculinity. Oh, it's male toxicity. 100%. Absolutely. It, you know, I mean, what what better to represent that than literal oh, black, black sludge <laughs> coursing through our veins, you know? No, I agree with you. And especially the fact that it comes out of the founder's bust. Because mm. this, this toxicity comes from the past. It comes from, like, the past people. So, yeah, I think that it's a really great representation from that. Well, the only criticism I have for it is that it does kind of reduce gender down to a binary. And I'm not that... Well, you know, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing, but let's focus on the positive and just try to view it as like toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And, 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 you know, that's a good point is that it does, you know, it does come from the past and it's passed on, you know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a thing that's passed on through society and through upbringing mm-hmm. and, and basically through brainwashing, you know, it's kind of yeah. what it is. And, you know, so like, so this, I can speak on directly, like, yeah. you know, a, as a guy, like it is interesting for me to watch this because 
I don't disagree with anything that I see in this film, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, again, of course, there's the, you know, the the dudes out there that are like, meh, feminism, meh, how dare you say I'm toxic, meh, you know, yeah, like... suck it up, buddy. Like, like it's so, they get so pissed off about it, and I don't understand why. I'm just kind of like, you know, women had to deal with decades of being fucking objects in horror movies. Like, the least you can do is accept that, you know, there's an issue with male society. Like, yeah. you know, and so, uh, so when I watch this, you know... It does strike, it just, it does strike to truth, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's a, a cop-out to say that, to say that, you know, being brought up in a certain way or whatever is, is an excuse for, for male toxicity. Like, it's a... Boys will be boys. Right, the whole boys will be boys thing, you know, or, or saying like, well, my, well, my dad was this way, so I'm this way, you know, like that, all that shit's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. But there is a truth to the idea that, you know, from the time that you're born, like, as a, as a man, mm-hmm. you know, y- you are c- consistently have ideas ingrained into you of, yes. like, this is how society is. You're, you're, you're above women, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you constantly have this shit pushed on you from all different sources. And it's not an excuse because it's ultimately up to you to recognize and confront that. Mm-hmm. But, but it is there, like it is pushed on us. And that's kind of something that this black Christmas is about is how, you know, men kind of are sort of kind of like brainwashed to be this way in a sense, yep. you know, which we see through the frat and their whole, you know, the whole pledge and the whole way that they become mm-hmm. part of this group is to basically like succumb to Calvin Hawthorne and all their bullshit <laughs> All their bullshit ideas, right? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like the best example is what's his name? Smush, the boyfriend. I'm gonna call him Smush and not date. Sure, because sure, call him Smush, whatever Smush. you want. <laughs> because you know, we see both with him and with Landon, they're they're better dudes who are trying. They're trying to like be better men, but with both of them, they do kind of regress, if you will, to these more like toxic personalities. Smush does it when he kind of has his little fit at dinner. Um, Mm. And I think the one thing that I like about that, that it kind of highlights is the fact that it is work. It's work for men to be aware of the toxic masculinity shit that's shoved down their goddamn throat, like goddamn black goo. (laughs) Um, And work to... I I think of it like a hose putting being put down your throat that's right? worse so hose put down your throat and they just turn the nozzle on and you get you know full up until you look like a giant balloon like <laughs> are you violent from willy wonka sure all right yes okay but you know like i like the fact that they how they i like the fact that with the movie they showcase it as a headache I think that that really encapsulates just, like, the pain that, like, some dudes kind of go through of really having to check themselves before they talk, and see, it doesn't always work, and sometimes you're, like, smush, and you're a fucking asshole, and you get kicked out see, of the goddamn house. See, I, I see this a little bit differently. I think that, okay. certainly, I think that certainly applies. Uh, knowing the tone and attitude of the movie, though, I mm-hmm. think it's meant to be a different way, which I also agree with, which is that... Uh, for one, you know, the characters of Landon and what do you call him? Smush. Smush. <laughs> That's his boyfriend name. I think his real name is Nate, but fuck that. But both of those characters, I, I think more so what they're kind of supposed to uh, uh, be a little bit is is the contradiction to the idea, not all men, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's always the dudes that like to be like, not all men. Mm-hmm. And, and both of these characters, I think, are more so supposed to be, yes, all men, you yeah. know? Not... And, and, you know, th- this is always such a complicated argument that I think it's hard for the dudes not willing to listen to kind of understand, which is that, 
when when people say not all men or, or, or when people say all men, mm-hmm. you know, they're not saying like all men are rapists. Like we get it. Not every man in the world has raped somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to keep saying that word. I know that that's tricking for some of you, but it's like, you know, the it's not to say that it's to say that every man is is, again, sort of brought up and raised in society where they they are sort of given Permission. Kind of permission. Yeah. 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 It's a good way to say it. Like they're sort of given that permission. They're sort of given that idea, you know, they're sort of given that excuse, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we all, every man, you're, you're lying to yourself. If you're a guy and you say that you don't have any of that toxicity in you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like it takes years and years and years to suck that shit out like, you know, venom from a snake, right? And you're never going to get it all. And it'll never be completely out, you know, because you can't just, you can't just untrain your, (laughs) you know, your entire existence to see things a different way. Like it Mm takes, you know, it takes work and effort, right? It's like a marriage, you know, it just, it keeps, (laughs) it takes work and effort and you have to keep trying and it, and yet it never stops like being work but hopefully you get the benefit out of it right so yeah um <laughs> i say as my wife looks at me quizzically um so no you've worked very hard i've been very proud of you so 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 i see it as like you know those characters are supposed to kind of represent the 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 contradiction to the not all men thing where it's like yes all men because here are two dudes who are the quote unquote best men that were given in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> And even they succumb and even they have things that aren't great about them, you know? So like we kind of look at things where it's like, I don't know if Smush was always a a more commanding dude who's kind of like bossing the women around, Mm -hmm. you know, as we see at certain points, was he always like that? Or was that the sludge? We don't really know. Mm -hmm. Landon, I gotta be honest, it's a little creepy, Landon, that you're kind of hitting on Riley after she did this whole rape song. Like, it's a yeah. little, you know, maybe, too soon, maybe. I don't know. Like, you know. So Landon's an awkward so, motherfucker. He's an awkward motherfucker, but it, but it stands to reason of, like, you know, Landon, I don't think, maybe she doesn't want a date after doing this, you yeah. know? So so it's just that kind of thing of, like, they're, they're showing little shades of kind of that toxicity within them. Mm-hmm. And the headache thing, you know, the headache thing I more took as, like, yeah, I think it can relate to the sort of pain of dealing with this inside mm-hmm. yourself. Uh, but the headache, I think you can also take as men love to be fucking dicks. And, yep. and you know, and I've done this too. And I, I think every man has. Like, men love to be fucking dicks and then say, ah, uh, you know, my bad. I'm just having a bad day, you know, or something, <laughs> you know, like, like, or, you like know. A, like a gir- girl could ever get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, you know, like men love to do that thing where it's like they, they just completely shit on you and tear you down. And then they're like, you know, sorry, it's not about you. I had a bad day at work. Yeah. It's like, well, you didn't have to be such a dick about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's for me, there's there's a difficulty with like the black sludge and the, the male representation with this because, you know, nothing's going to be perfect representation, you know. And so by doing the black sludge and everything like that, then you're reducing gender kind of down back down to a sure, binary sure. sort of thing and it's also it's a it's a difficult thing because the way that i view it is with the black sludge and everything like that then it is almost kind of reinforcing to a certain extent that boys will be boys men can't help that this is there and that's a really shitty thing <laughs> like it's a really yep. it's a really difficult thing and it's i think that that's the most difficult what? thing to navigate in horror 
and, and yeah, and, it, and it's difficult to navigate in this movie too, right? Because you know y- you've introduced the supernatural element, you've introduced these guys as killers. Mm-hmm. You can't really let them off the hook necessarily. Yeah. Um. So so the imagery of like the women just burning all these <laughs> frat guys alive, you know, it's kind of like it, it does it does sort of uh, like, infor- it does sort of reinforce that idea of like you know what that's just how men are, yeah. and that and that you know gotta burn like <laughs> yeah uh, but i, I mean but they, I they let landon escape well they let landon escape and that's you know an interesting element to this because another thing that's going on here you know isn't just male toxicity mm-hmm. it's white male privilege white yes. male toxicity right yep you know the like, whole frat glows in the dark the whole frat glows in the dark <laughs> and as far as i remember landon is the only person of color in that entire frat right so, oh, he's not even in the frat. He's just there doing the sound for them. Okay, so he's not even a part of them, right? But no. but so but he's our only man, I believe, that lives. Yep. <laughs> Maybe Smush does. I don't quite remember. No, no, no. Smush dies. Okay, so Smush dies, right? So <laughs> so Landon is our only male that lives, and you know it, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's also happens to be the only male of color, right? Yeah. Because another thing that's going on here, going back to the past idea, right? And mm-hmm. you know the fucking Calvin Hawthorne racist son of a bitch who is owns that, slaves, who owns slaves in the north, <laughs> in the north, as Chris <laughs> points out uh, hilariously. Not me, is, Chris. Other Chris. Yes. Um. Is that you know it? It is he. He is saved because he is not part of this white male patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? You know, this whole thing that that the professor and Calvin and all these frat bros are pushing. Yeah. He suffers just as much under white patriarchy as the it, girls do. Exactly, yeah. You know, just in a different way. In different ways, but still suffers from it, you know. Mm-hmm. So 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 it's good that he gets to live. But yeah. But you know, I think I think you can't read too much into things like the whole frat burning down because messages especially in horror films are always going to be a little bit murky mm-hmm. you know because people die and, yeah. and, and you can't they have take, to die this is horror right and you can and you can't take it as the film saying that person deserves death you know i mean those frat boys do deserve death though those frat boys do but they're a rapey but, frat they deserve to die right but but i don't but i don't think it's speaking to the idea of like all men deserve to die you know no. like i don't think that's where the filmmakers are coming from i think it's more sort of saying like that that toxicity that mm-hmm. that toxic nature that's what needs to burn you know that's yeah. what needs to die yeah the the white male like racist sexist toxicity needs to die right and, and you see that actually all throughout this movie um you know mm-hmm. in, in ways that you might not even recognize the first time so so going on a revisit of this you know i found a lot of little visuals uh, pretty fascinating in black christmas again mm-hmm. i i do really want to um emphasize that Sophia Takal is a good director yes you know I I do think it's very unfortunate that that this was kind of like her her big debut feature because she's a talented director and for a shit show of a movie she did a good job right and and there are lots of little things that that I think are really eye-catching and fascinating is that you know for one I love that the girls are in this uh, sorority that's basically shaped like a castle Yep. Like if you really look at it, it's basically a castle, and the thing, and on the front of it, it says something like the founders' sorority, mm-hmm. and so something that really kind of hits me with that is that it, if you if you look at it as the founder, you know, Calvin Hawthorne, if you look at it as he sort of designed this whole place, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that just further speaks to like the way men view women, where it's like they're they're these fragile princesses living in a castle that you know that they go 
<laughs> not save. I mean, that's not the word I'm looking for, but uh-huh. ba- basically looking at them as like, that's all they are. Yeah. You know, is these fragile princesses living up in this tower in a castle mm-hmm. and it, they're essentially like, you know, objectified by these men who feel they get to have their way with them, right? Because <laughs> they're because they're the kings, they're the princess, Ew. whatever. Yeah. So there's, th- there's that kind of thing. And of course, you know, the founder's sorority right there is Ew. sort of him claiming them as property. <laughs> Um, and then you see that too, like in the actual frat house, the, the, what is it? The Deeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, you see that in the actual frat house where, you know, they've got the, uh, the head of the deer and it's decorated to look like a woman, you know, it's got Mm. the, it's got the Christmas bells as earrings. It's got like a little kind of like wig sort of thing on, Mm -hmm. um, it's made to look like a woman. And it, and when you see that these men are, dressed in like these cloaks and masks and they're hunting with bow and arrows it, it's emphasizing the idea that men are hunters yes and and so when you see that deer in the frat you know made up to look like a woman it just hits home the idea that men hunt women like like they, in this case they, it's literal yeah but but you know in in another sense like that's how it goes like men are men are out on the hunt you know i mean like i i'm so glad that i was never part of one of those groups of dudes that you know, their view of a good Friday or Saturday night was like going out to the bar for the hunt. Like, I'm going to go out and get laid. You know, I'm going to go mm. find some women to get laid. Like, you know, I, I'm glad I never was part of that, but that is a part of male culture. <laughs> it is. It's a really gross and terrifying part of male culture as a woman. Right. Because, you know, you're not seen as people. And I feel like, again, going back to everything that they say about Calvin Hawthorne as the founder and stuff like that. You know, and the rumor that he killed ostensibly uppity women, he sacrificed them sort of a thing, Mm. you know. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing at the word uppity. I don't know why that (laughs) word makes me laugh. (laughs) But I mean, that's, it's interesting. It's interesting because, yeah, that's how these men want prey. That's what mm-hmm. they're looking for. They're looking for prey. They're not looking for women who fight back, who think for themselves. 100%, yeah. And that's why I think that the character of Helena and the reveal of her as a betrayer to her gender, a betrayer to the cause at the end, is such an interesting, and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie, because the biggest detriment to feminism a lot of times is dissension within our own ranks. Right. You know, it's it's women, fucking white female Republicans. It's always white, white female, female Republicans. Republicans. <laughs> yeah, I am, you know, but white straight women in general a lot of times as well is them being a betrayer to the cause. And Helena is so fucking perfect in this role, you know, because she has this moment where it gets revealed that she's betrayed all the girls at the end. And she has this great line of she's just like, aren't you tired? Doesn't everything feel unbalanced? And she's pleading to Riley to be the subservient woman. Yeah. And then the thing that because hap- it'll just be easier that way. It'll just be easier. And then the thing that happens right after that is she gets her fucking neck broken mm-hmm. by fucking Calvin Hawthorne. Right. Um. And that's that's the reality of the situation. Is that if you think that the men have your best interests at heart, that being subservient, walking behind them, will keep you out of danger. Mm. No, it just puts you in more danger. Yeah, well, I mean, it speaks, you know, so so one, you know, for those of you that are insulted for any reason, she is supposed to be a white Republican woman, you know? Yeah. And, and I say she that- She is the betrayer. She is Judas. <laughs> right, and I say that not just because I'm a liberal, but because this movie is about- Christy or is about Christian nationalism in some ways. Yep. 
white Christian nationalism and white you know, supremacism. Yeah, and the thing that I didn't mention yet is you know going back to the sort of visuals is that. You also notice, too, that the house which the sorority is next to has has a giant American flag hanging in the window. And, you know, you could, well, <laughs> and, and, and you can say to yourself, like, oh, that's just because America. And, I mean, true, there mm-hmm. are lots of people that are, like, you know, horny over the flag. Look, even if you do, that's fine. But the, but the point is, is that, you know, it's supposed to represent just how, uh, how, you know, sort of, it's supposed to kind of show like, you know, that all of this is kind of a part of American culture as well. Right. And because it's not, because it's not just that house, the frat also has a flag hanging in one of their rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the, you look at the sorority, it's very like warm and, you know, just Christmas lights and like nice shit or whatever. And when you go to the frat, it's cold. There's the American flag. There's the really dark. Cre- it's gross. It's dark. It's gross. There's a really creepy deer head thing I was talking about. You know, it's, it's, emphasize again it's it's um it's reflecting this idea that that this white male patriarchy is very much a part of an american culture you know and and part of that american culture and this being set around christmas is that christian nationalism you know Mm -hmm. which republicans are all up the butt of (laughs) where women are less than and where women are less than and i mean you know again going back to the idea that this film is too on the nose. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you look at you look at everything that's going on right now with like abortion, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I would say, is the film really on the nose enough? Is it angry Ooh. enough? Because I totally get why this film is so fucking angry. Because that shit exists, and women like Helena exists. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like you know, you see all these white Republican women that vote a, that vote for banning abortion, and and you just sit there like. That's your own uh, that, right that you're taking away. Bitch, that's <laughs> your body. Why are you giving away rights to it? <laughs> right. So she's a symbol of that. You know, she's yeah. a symbol of of that idea of like, eh, I am second class. Just mm-hmm. let the men do whatever. You know, yep. and and well, because she thinks that it'll protect her. That's the thing. At the end of the day, she thinks, and a lot of these women think that they will be protected and cared for. And the reality of the situation. That we get seen, that we see with Helena, is that we're not. We're the first, the women who bow to these men, you know, as as Riley's rapist, whose name I'm not even gonna bother to remember because he's not worth having a name. Okay. <laughs> um, he's not. He's nothing. Um, but he has that whole moment, bow, bitch. And here's mm. the thing: is that women bowing to this is how we get our neck snapped. It's how mm. we lose everything every autonomy every sense of self and that's what we see with helena is that if we bow we lose everything and that's why i don't mind the on the noseness with this movie that's not my complaint with this movie this movie you know which i wasn't aware of until you brought up this movie feels rushed you know Mm. the messaging with this movie is good i don't mind the on the pointness like i just it just misses a couple of things because it's rushed, but it's got some really fucking good points about how scary it is not only to be a woman, but to be a woman in college when you're figuring your shit out. And you have all these gross fucking dudes trying to tell you shit. Well, all right. And, and you know, and some of the things that, you know, I, I would say are not executed perfectly mm-hmm. and, and come off a little more funny than, you know, they're meant to. <laughs> um, some of those things, you know, they, they are very real. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the... Of course, the the thing that the original Black Christmas, one of the things it's so famous for is 
you know, the, the really intense, scary voice on the phone, right? Yeah. You know, that's talking about doing all these horrible things to the, to the uh, sorority girls. And you, you replicate that here in this Black Christmas, only this time it's through text messages mm-hmm. like random DMs, right? Yep. And, like, look, the, the way that it's executed, uh, visually, you know, it, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't totally work. Like, yeah. I, I will say that, you know, personally, I find a voice on the phone a lot creepier than a text, you know? But... But, (laughs) but I I do think that even that, like whether or not you find it, you know, poorly executed, it does speak to, again, the very real terror of what women go through every day Mm -hmm. that that men just can't totally relate to, you know, like, like I, like, you know, I, I have, you know, not, not to, not to sound any sort of way, but like, I I have a relatively active Twitter account, right? Mm -hmm. Where like, you know, I have a lot of followers and I do. I do have a lot of people interact with me. I don't get creepy DMs. Yep. You know, I don't get creepy DMs from from people telling me to like show them my <laughs> dick and shit like that, you know. The women, however, that I'm friends with on Twitter get that shit every day. And so this is kind of, you know, again about that where it's like this this the the texting and the stuff from Calvin Hawthorne, that's just that's just the that's modern just a, yeah. that's just the modern day threats from men, you know. It's no longer phone calls. It's, it's, it's DMs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not active on social media at all, and I've gotten that. Right. Like, not recently because I don't do active stuff, but I've gotten the DMs, the, the threats of death, the threats of rape, shit like that. And it's fucking terrifying, like, to know that these people know who you are and say these things. And it's even more terrifying with the Calvin Hawthorne stuff because they're doing it on their anonymity and we do kind of see the terrifyingness of that when riley takes that shit to the police officer to security campus and he doesn't take that shit seriously that's the terror that i think this movie could have done a little bit better of job but it does capture the terror of not being believed it could it could have done a better job of it but it but it is there you know you definitely have the terror gross mayo loving ham sandwich bastard yeah which i could be wrong about this i don't think i am though is you know riley gets one of those texts that is basically referring to her as a pig Mm -hmm. and he's eating this ham sandwich and to me the the just gross amount of mayo being poured on the pig (laughs) to me is really just a a metaphor for like you know semen yeah it's it's a metaphor for him just kind of having his way with with right you know at least he gets murdered by one of the frat bros at least he does because fuck that guy but (laughs) (laughs) but no that terror is there the terror of not being believed is there and you know going hand in hand with that is also sort of the, the the terror of the fact that it is, you know, in this culture of, of rape culture and really just men in general and the way that they treat women is that, you know, sort of culture of like when the professor says, see no evil, boys, mm-hmm. you know, that that's really just referring to the idea that like men look the other way. Yeah. You know, and, and men like, again, like Landon leaving the coffee shop when the dude bro walks in, like, mm-hmm. you know, just men look away. Men don't stand up for yep. women. And men are fucking bitches. Men are fucking bitches, <laughs> which is why, again, coming to this point of like, you know, earlier I said that the, that the film maybe isn't perfect mm-hmm. for a gateway horror audience. And I, and maybe, you know, young girls don't want to watch the sleepovers. I have no idea, but, but I do think that there are moments again throughout this 
that are great for that. Mm-hmm. And one of those is this ending where it's like, we don't get the decapitations that we want. No. We don't we don't get all the gory satisfaction that we want, nope. right? But you do get Riley taking that fucking bust and being like, you will never break us and <laughs> smashing it on the goddamn floor. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I love about that is not only is it showing the fortitude of women, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea that, like, women are not just going to fucking you know, back down and take this shit, you know, especially not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not only showing that, but it's also showing just the fucking goddamn fragility and cowardice of men like these men, you know, yes. because, because, Oh, they're fucking bus broke. Now they're all, mm. but now they're all a bunch of cowards. You don't know what to do. And they're running around screaming, you know, like it just shows how fucking fragile and weak they are, yep. you know? And, and you just, you have to love that because that always ends up being the case. I always see, you know, speaking of like Twitter, right? Because that's just, you know, where we all live our lives now, social media. Mm-hmm. You, you always see men losing their fucking goddamn shit. Over every <laughs> little thing, like a bunch of babies. Over every little thing, like a bunch of babies. And I just, I don't see that from women in the same way, you know? Ew. And it just, and, and it's just because like, I do think that part of the male toxicity is, is kind of, you know, being a little bit of a fragile bitch boy. Like. It is. And it's, I mean, I love the line that comes right before that that bus breaking that the professor has, where he says, you know, basically men and women are tied together. If you break us, you break yourselves. And to your point, that is universally untrue. Right. We, we got artificial insemination now too, bitches. Like. Well, not only that, but women can survive without men. Not talking about babies or anything like that, but we are strong enough to survive on our own. But like you look at the fucking reports, if like you've got a married couple, a straight married couple, and the woman dies first, the dude follows soon after because they can't figure the fucking shit out. <laughs> but what is the reverse when the dude dies first? Oh, women go on. My grandma, like my grandfather died of a heart attack when i was like six uh-huh. my grandma's just like fuck you bitch i'm gonna live oh. for another 30 years oh yeah no chris is gonna be fine after i die of a heart attack i however <laughs> will suddenly just be sucked into like a sinkhole or something um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe but no but that's absolutely true you know and and just just the last thing that i'll say on it is that you know there it perhaps perhaps my my personal message you know <laughs> out of this podcast out of this episode is like uh, don't be a fucking coward, you no. know, like if you're a dude, like don't be a fucking coward and stand up for women and don't, you know, don't see no evil. <laughs> As the professor says, like, see that evil, yeah. call that evil shit out. You know, that's the whole point of Black Christmas. So like, it's not for everybody, but the thing that's always been great about the horror genre that I will continue to always love about it is that it is the genre that most directly speaks to the issues in our society. Yep. You know, it's not always perfect. It's not always subtle how we would like it. Mm -hmm. It's not always entertaining. But it always, always, always is speaking to the problems that we have. You know, the the whole horror is not political crowd is just flat out wrong. That's a lie. It's a lie. Horror is going to call you out on your fucking shit. (laughs) Right. Like horror has and always will be quote unquote political. You know, it's just... It's just your interpretation of like how well you think the filmmaker does it, and that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not. I don't expect anybody to love Black Christmas. I don't expect anybody to hate Black Christmas. You just take it as it is. Yep. But, but it, I respect it as being a film that very directly is calling that shit out. Yes, you know, it raises in, in a, some good points that we need to listen to. Right, in a way that's creative and maybe not done perfectly, but mm-hmm. that that is ultimately, I think, I think, still effective. 
in that it gets its message across. Yeah. Like, you can't argue that Black Christmas doesn't get its <laughs> message across. <laughs> Agreed. I'm very hopeful that we'll see more from this team going forward when they have more time, more budget, and they can really put all of themselves into the project. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll end on this note, too, is that, you know, this is one of the films that inspired the idea of, like, women burn shit down. Because yeah. women literally burn down the fucking <laughs> patriarchy in this movie. And, again... Yeah. Whether or not you agree with like the message of that, you gotta love the symbolism of it. So. Fuck yeah. Burn that shit. Burn those motherfuckers down. All yeah. right, so we gotta start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of Black Christmas? So I had a hard time with this, and I have to go to my default because I was very upset that this didn't happen. And that's for all of the women in this film to not knee these motherfuckers in the crotch. So are you saying they're all idiots for not kneeing the they men in the crotch? They should have kneeing them in the fucking crotch. You're really gonna you're really gonna call all the women what? in them this movie the, the idiots of the film. They're not the idiots <laughs> of the film, but I wanted to see more dick punches. And this is the only place I figured I could talk about it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I more said, dick punches. Uh, I said Landon just because he's a sweet dum-dum. <laughs> he is a sweet dum-dum that goes on a rage rage bender. He sure does. Yep. Uh, what about your killer death? Oh, that's the professor getting lit on fucking fire and then all the frat boys getting burned alive. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely great. I, I do also, just in terms of, like, how effective it is, I do love Helena getting her neck, her head turned around. That's pretty great. <laughs> I do, can I also give, like, a runner-up to them reversing the Black Christmas death where it's the dude who gets the bag over his head instead oh, of yeah. the girl? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what about your killer MVP? Okay, so for me, that has to go to Jess, who's played by Brittany, Brittany O'Grady, because I fucking love Jess. She's barely she, in this She's film. the most fun character in the movie, I think you could say. I just love her line of, I wasn't paying attention. What do you want me to say? And oh. you guys high-key stress me out with new fights, so I'm going to go find some Christmas lights. Like, I love this bitch so do much. Do Christmas lights expire? <laughs> yeah. She's so great, and I love her. Yeah, no, she's hilarious. Uh... So I'm going to give it to both Sophia Tikal and April Wolf. And the, re yeah. the reason being is that, you know, again, we can argue about the quality of Black Christmas all day. Mm -hmm. the, the reason I want to give it to them is I think that you have to give props. Like, look, even if you're one of these people that even if you hate Black Christmas, I hope that you can give props to these two women for doing this movie. Yep. Because you really got to understand, like. For for these two women to make this basically their big debut feature, mm -hmm. to be this movie that's tackling toxic masculinity with a remake of a beloved classic. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, that takes fucking guts. They do a fucking <laughs> you know? song about rape culture in this. It's amazing. Yes, but, but for the women, like, they, you know, it takes guts to do yeah. a movie like this, you know? Uh, especially in today's culture where it's like, you know, you're going to hear about it if mm -hmm. people don't like something you do, you yep. know, and it took and, and both of them having a social media presence as well. Like it took guts for them to do this movie, knowing the kind of hate that they would get just for doing a remake, mm -hmm. not to mention a remake that tackles toxic masculinity, yep. you know, like in a time where there's such a fucking backlash mm -hmm. from dude bros who don't want to hear about it, you know, like it take guts. And, and I really respect both of them for doing this. And, you know, I think it's awful what they went through uh, that I saw on social media. And, you know, that's just what I'm seeing. I don't know the extent that they went through it, but just the sort of hatred and attacks that, 
these women dealt with when this movie was coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I, I, I just you got to respect them, and I and I really do hope that they find a career after this because they haven't done much since this. And granted, yeah. it's only been a few years, but but I hope that this movie didn't kind of squash their potential because they do have a lot of it. So Yeah, hopefully we'll see more from them. And we have to remember, this is all Jason Bloom's fault. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't say that for sure. but I will No, cer- I'm going to say it. But I will certainly put a lot of the blame on Jason Bloom's fault, and I have no problem doing that. <laughs> Fuck um, <laughs> that guy. What's he going to do? So every week on Twitter, at Killer Critics, we like to put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Black Christmas? I feel like I know where it's going to go, but I'm going to go with It's Fine. Yeah, well, you're right about where you think you know it's going to go. So, <laughs> so Love It was 11.2%. It's Fine was 28.2%. Don't Like It was a predictable 36.5%. And Never Seen It was 24.1%. Wow. So, I- I'm actually not surprised by that because, again, it, there are a bunch of people who either A, don't want to see it because it's a remake of a classic, you Boo. know, well, whether or not you agree, you know, that, that is a, that is a general response mm-hmm. or a lot of people that were like, meh, feminism and decided not to see it for that. So okay, boo, boo on that person. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm really not surprised by the ranking. So we always get comments from you all as well on Twitter. So these are all from Twitter. Uh, first up is at Jason the Scott. So that's Jason the s-c-o-t-t and i wanted to get a mix of comments for this because we got a quite a mix as you can tell by the poll results uh so jason says love everything about it great cast score and some cool cinematography one of my favorite lines that i repeat to pump myself up rebuild yourself bitch (laughs) (laughs) okay i definitely agree with that line because i also will start saying that to myself and i'm so glad that you loved it that's awesome to hear yeah, no, uh, me as well. I, I Again, I, I'm glad that Jason and others did love this movie and mm-hmm. gave the filmmakers the support that they deserve, you know? Um, and I agree, like, I, you know, well, I don't love everything about it. Mm-hmm. It does have a great cast. It does have a great score. Mm-hmm. And there really is some cool cinematography, as I was talking about before. Again, Sophia Tikal is a very good visual director. Yeah. Um, we all need to rebuild ourselves, bitch. Damn right. Rebuild <laughs> yourselves, bitch. <laughs> Bitches, do it. Uh, so anyway, thank you at Jason the Scott for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at just underscore Erica underscore and Erica spelled E-R-I-C-A. And they say, for the remakes, it's hard to top the OG for me. That said, I can really appreciate that they tried to do something new with this one and really take home the theme of strong women that's evident in all three, but especially this one. Do I love it? No, but I do respect it. <laughs> I feel like that's a thing with this movie. It's hard. It's hard to love, you know, and the people who do, that's awesome. But we have to respect this movie for what it was trying to do and the stuff that it did accomplish. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a healthy attitude to take to all these things. Like mm-hmm. any remake of a, of a film that you love, you don't have to love it, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not a reason to hate on it just because it's a remake and it does something different. Yeah. Um, so, so no, I, I completely agree with Erica here. You know, it's, it's hard to top the OG for me as well. Again, I really, really like the 2006 film. Um, but even this, I respect. You know, yeah. it did. It tried something different. It doesn't all work. Jason Bloom fucked it over in some ways. <laughs> Fuck you, Jason Bloom. <laughs> uh, but but I do really respect what it tried. So uh, thank you at just underscore Erica underscore for the comment. Appreciate it. 
Uh, next up is a comment from at Timosaurus R. So that's T-I-M-O-S-A-U-R-U-S-R. And they say, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit for taking a new approach. My only issue is the weird supernatural angle, which feels like something they added in reshoots. It felt like they got cold feet about the villains and wanted to somewhat absolve them of culpability. Yes, you get it. This is my issue that I also have with the supernatural stuff. It wasn't supernatural. It wasn't necessary. We just need dudes being assholes. Yeah, I mean, again, I <laughs> I mean, you know, the, I don't think it was added because there's enough in the film that makes you think it was probably yep. always there. Yep. But that being said... I do think, like I was saying before, the supernatural element isn't really needed because, no. again, that's just men. Yeah, I, these I are just shitty. I totally believe that this college is just recruiting men to go be dicks in the real world. Like, oh, you don't really need... Like every other college. Right. You don't really need the supernatural element for it. That being said, I mean, the thing that I like about it is, look, it's horror. It's mm -hmm. fiction. And the fun thing about fiction is we use things like this as a metaphor for the things in the real world, you know? Mm -hmm. So the black sludge, the toxicity in men. I, I like the symbolism of that, even if it's not quite necessary, you know? So Fair enough. Um, but I but I do agree with Timmy, yeah. so... <laughs> I mean, you're wrong, but fair enough. <laughs> Whatever, you're... <laughs> fuck you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> burn your shit down. All right, so thank it's you... It's your at, shit, too. <laughs> whatever. So thank you at Timistars R for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, and, and now we get into the not-so... <laughs> <laughs> not so Bring nice on comments. the haters. Uh, so first up is from a friend of mine uh, at Bede Germain. So that's B-E-D-E-J-E-R-M-Y-N. And Bede does a podcast with our friend Marcy. Well, they do quite a few podcasts, so uh, follow them and check them out. But Bede says, yeah, this was terrible. Poorly made, <laughs> dumb, and eye-rollingly heavy-handed. The characters aren't people. They're one-note ciphers that spout buzzwords and hashtags. The original 1974 film did a way better and interesting job at tackling feminism and toxic masculinity in its story. You're not entirely wrong, but you're not entirely right either. <laughs> um, Says Chris, I don't think there's any right or wrong when it comes to art, but... <laughs> I, I know everybody has their own personal opinions with stuff. Um, and I think we've, we've talked about the difficulty with this film. This film was looking to actually tackle shit in a way that none of the other films did, and that's tough to do. So I give them props for that. You are welcome to your own opinions about things because this movie <laughs> is a hot fucking mess. Yeah, so my wife just basically said, fuck you, Bede. Um, I did not. <laughs> I am drunk, though, and will pull no punches. Um, but no, but no, for real, you know, I, I don't, again, like, you know. I fuck you. <laughs> Like, Bede's perfectly welcome to his opinion here. Uh -huh. and, I, and I think it's a, a, a well-shared opinion, you know? Yes. And, and, and I do get it. Like, again, the, the film is extremely, you know, heavy-handed. It is mm -hmm. heavy. It it's is. It's very heavy on the theme. It does not, you know, a lot of films you can watch and sort of, like, interpret the theme. Black Christmas doesn't really allow you to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is one of those episodes we've had where it's like, we didn't have to read too much into this. No, you it's kinda, right there. You kind of get the theme. There's I'm not, not dumb for once. Yeah. I know what this movie's about. Right. There's not There's not much digging Chris and I had to do to figure this movie out for mm -hmm. everyone. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I do definitely agree with you there. Uh, the 1974 film, I think, does really interesting does a really interesting thing with male toxicity and that sort of stuff in a subtle way. You know, I just think that this Black Christmas is kind of tackling it in a more aggressive sort of modern angle where mm -hmm. it's like... You know, in the 70s, this shit wasn't as talked about. 
And this Black Christmas is basically saying, hey, we're talking about this now. Here's all the shit we'd like to talk about. So, <laughs> And who's to say? Maybe in the 70s they also thought Black Christmas was heavy-handed for the generation it was part of. Oh, they could have. You never know. Um, but so anyway, so well, we don't quite agree, Bede. <laughs> uh, I do definitely see where you're coming from. We so. respect your opinion. <laughs> yes. Uh, so thank you, at Bede Germain, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, and then lastly is a comment from at Marco Piazzo. So that's M-R- or so that's M-A-R-C-O-P-I-A-Z-Z-O. And they say, this one was terrible, especially with how god-awful the character of Chris was. <gasps> and the fact that she bullies around a victim of abuse to act how she wants her to act, yet she is treated as the hero and the victim, has to tell Chris she was right is downright offensive. Yeah, I do agree that the Chris characterization is difficult and, you know, that acknowledgement at the end is really tough. I have no defense of that because I wish it was handled better because I think Chris represents the worst part of feminism sometimes. Yeah, I know. As we were saying before, like, it's totally valid criticism, you know. I I do think that that is tough to swallow. (laughs) Yes. I, 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 I see the filmmaker's point. I see what they're trying to say with, like, you know rebuild yourself bitch rebuild yourself bitch feminism keep fighting like i i see all of that again it's a very heavy-handed movie um but that is one thing where it's like you know for for victims like that that's probably not gonna that's probably not gonna uh go very well you know that doesn't read very well so uh so i do definitely see where marco piazza is coming from so uh, thank you at Marco Piazzo for the comment. Appreciate it. And then we always like to do a ranking of everything that we've talked about for the month. So this month we had Black Christmas, uh, Revenge, You're Next, Ready or Not. So how would you rank the movies of this month, Chris? <laughs> okay, so I think we know what's number four. It's Black Christmas. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> yep. Um, number three is Revenge, even though I think that it's the best feminism movie of this movie of this month. Uh, the rape stuff is really fucking hard for me. Yep. Um, Understandable. Yep. Number two is your next because I love Limpy Lamb. And number one, obviously, is going to be Ready, Ready or Not because Samara Weaving is God. <laughs> she is. I have a very different list. So <gasps> Black Christmas was at four. Okay. Uh, we've talked about why for obvious yep. reasons. Uh, Ready or Not is actually number three. <gasps> Why is it number three? Keep in mind, I fucking love I Ready know. or Not, Revenge, and You're Next, all yeah, right? tough month. Ready or Not's number three because, look, Ready or Not's very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and it's really fun, and it's very watchable. I just like Revenge and You're Next better. Like, so... Fair so, enough. So, Revenge, you know, used to be probably my third on this list, but after revisiting it, it just reaffirmed for me of, like, no, this is, this is my fucking shit. Like, this movie is such a gory midnight just fucking hell yeah kind of movie that like <laughs> i just it, love it is it your number one no revenge is number two okay i i just love the style of it i think corrali fergie knocks that film out of the park you know mm-hmm. it's just so very well made uh whereas ready or not is really fun mm-hmm. but it's not like you know it's i don't think it's on the level of revenge in terms of film so i'm surprised revenge is not your number one because i feel like it's the smartest most well shot movie that we watched this month it certainly could be uh your next just ends up taking it because your next is basically my kind of slasher you know mm-hmm. i i i just adore that movie uh, i love everything that it does i love the characters because the <laughs> limpy lamb isn't it it sure is chris um so <laughs> So that was my number one. So uh, we also like to do releases for the week. So this week got some interesting stuff. Uh, First up is a film called, uh, it's a documentary called Pennywise, the story of it. And this is now playing on Screenbox. Uh, I watched it the other night. It's fantastic. If you're a film of the original 1990 series, 
definitely check this out. You get lots of great uh, commentary by the cast and crew, as well as like looks at behind the scenes effects that were never used and stuff like that. Uh, I loved it. Check it out. Another is the Reef Stalked, and this is the sequel to the Reef. It's from the same filmmaker of the original, uh, who also directed the movie Rogue with the Killer Alligator. Uh, basically, just a, an expert at doing animals attack movies. I have heard that this one is not quite up to the level of the original, which itself is fantastic. Uh, but I'm still excited to check it out. So that comes on Shutter, or so that will now be playing on Shutter at the time you're listening to this. And then lastly is the new Are You Afraid of the Dark? <gasps> Ghost Island, which hits Nickelodeon on the 30th. I have not seen this yet myself either, but I really love what Nickelodeon's doing with these recent Are You Afraid of the Darks. Looks a lot of fun and creepy, so look for that. Whooped. And then next month is going to be our theme is It Came from 1982. So we're going to be talking about horror movies from 1982. So we'll be announcing the schedule for that shortly on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.